Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I'm your host, Ruth McMullen, and we are proudly brought to you by Simple Rituals Skin Care. We love you, Angela, and you should definitely check out their stuff, simplerituals.ca. They're the best, and you won't regret it. And also, I am thrilled to let you know that I have the... Sean D. McMullen with me here this evening. Hi, Sean. Hey, how's it going, Ruth? Oh, it's grand. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, it was uh, an easy move to come to our closet. (laughs) (laughs) To come to our closet instead of the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm very, very grateful that you did do that. It was good. It was nice to be finally on the show. I know. I tried to keep you off for as long as possible, but by popular demand, here you are. Here I am. (laughs) My popular demand, because you're actually the best, and I'm so happy that you're on the show. Oh, thank you. I know. Hmm. Um, Well, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you want to talk about why they invented airplanes? Um, to get to the other side of the country? Probably. I don't know. I don't know either. The Wright Brothers. The Wright Brothers. Big fan. Oh, big fan. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Sean McMullen. I heard their business really took off. go <laughs> this is it this is how it goes i'm sorry to all you listeners out there <laughs> there might be just a lot of terrible jokes <laughs> tonight yeah but oh i appreciate every single one. Oh, thank you i know it's pathetic <laughs> <laughs> so sean yes you have depression <laughs> <laughs> yes why i do yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, struggling with it for a while now. (laughs) We don't actually mean to make fun of that. No, we're two depressed people. (laughs) We're just trying to make the best of it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (sighs) Yeah. um, Yes, I do. You have depression and anxiety. Yes, I do. Yeah. What's that like? It's uh, manageable with medication. Yeah. Do you think that you'd ever want to go off medication? I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about, and I've done it. I went off it myself a few times, thinking I was good enough to stop taking it. Yeah. But then it just, uh, the effects of the medication, once they wore off, it was like all those thoughts came right back and I couldn't manage them. Sorry, I'm thinking about your your really took off joke. Just, oh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's not even that funny. But I know, I, but it is I funny because we're so laughing. tired. We're so tired. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, depression. You tried to go off medication, didn't? Yes. Didn't it didn't work? No. And um, so I've been on it for consistently now for a year and a half, and it works. It takes yeah. the edge off. Yeah. Allows me to function. Allows me to work. Uh, try new things and not feel like I'm mentally drained. 
or even physically drained. Not mentally or physically drained. Yeah, it gives me energy. Like, it it allows me to... Sorry, the medication itself doesn't give me energy, Mm -hmm. but it allows me to change my... It allowed me to adjust my lifestyle to live in a way where I did have energy to do the things that I needed or wanted to do. Do you find that it's because, like, you're not throwing as much mental energy into, like, trying to just make it through the day? That you just you have all this energy left over. Yeah, now, I would taking care of it. I would agree with that. Okay. I think that, and and you see it better than anyone, but definitely during the days at work, um, and anything I do on the side, uh, it allowed me to kind of move, like, kind of gave me this. I don't want to say it. There's like an untapped reservoir of energy in me that I got that I have probably runs in my family that I, I felt like the medication kind of unlocked. It's like a weird way to describe it. Huh? That's yeah. interesting. And then once it's like, once the dam was broken, it, it, it allowed me to just kind of more naturally, you know, go with the flow of my life and, and, allow, and allowed me to do things that I, either couldn't do before because I was too nervous or too, had too much anxiety over there or um, it gave me energy to just go that extra step and try new things like wedding videography, mm. photography, mm. St- starting the social network, um, all these things that three years, four years ago I wasn't doing any of that stuff and probably because I at the time didn't know that I had any issues or didn't, wasn't officially diagnosed with them. Mm-hmm. So wait, I've like, I've had conversations with people where they have said that photography and like those kinds of hobbies were an outlet to help pull them out of depression. Mm-hmm. But you're, but that wasn't quite the case with you. No, it became that later. I had to get properly medicated first to understand, to see what my problems were from the outside. Like, like a more detached point of view? Yeah. I remember walking our daughter to school and taking the long way home through the woods and just, like, telling myself, this is before I was on medication, that coach myself through the day, like, I can get through this, I can do this. And I was, like, it was the worst. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I, I felt like crying. I felt like I was weak. And I felt like it was going to be like the end of me. Like there was no way I was going to come back from that. And then when I went on medication, it, it, it like removed those um, barriers. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to just like start focusing on the issues I had um, through therapy, which helped a lot. And then um, get into more social circles or scenarios with like-minded individuals photography just happened to be the closest one I guess to me at that point Mm -hmm. so I started shooting and then that became a form of therapy itself but it wasn't it didn't pull me out of my depression it was just something that I realized I really loved after I got on medication huh so it helped you really discover yourself when yeah. after you went on medication, is that yeah. would that be accurate? The photography, 
like that when you went on medication, then it kind of cleared the fog and it allowed you to become more yourself. Mm. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah, I would say that would be accurate. Okay. Mm. I know from personal experience, just like watching you go through a lot of it, um, it was a huge difference when you did start medication and it kicked in. Mm -hmm. It was like all of a sudden you were who you are now, which is, and who you were like 14 years ago. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that, that try and trace back all these like things that happen in our life. And why did I break down at that, you know, that time, you know, it was October 2015. Mm-hmm. Normal day, woke up, then had the breakdown at work. Mm-hmm. Mom had to come get me, then I had to tell you what was going on. And I was like, how did I get to that point? I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just an amalgamation of, combina- or combination of a whole bunch of things that led to that one day of a breakdown. But... I feel like with depression, at least in my personal experience, it's like it happens so gradually that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're at the bottom and you're like, how did I get here? Yeah. Well, that bottom sucked. That's for sure. Yeah. What did it feel like? Um, It felt like I wasn't um, adequate or I wasn't worth anything to anyone Mm -hmm. so I felt like I was stupid I felt like I had failed I felt like I wasn't good at my work I felt like I was a terrible friend and I felt like I wasn't a good husband a good father so when you have all those feelings um and they when they start they kind of swirl around like you said it's gradual Mm-hmm. I remember that whole year I started throwing myself into other things like soccer and and um, new friendships. And I was trying really hard to make those things work. And really they were just like, a, I was just trying to, they were, it was like a way of medic, medicating myself and it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I finally crashed uh, and I hit the bottom, I wasn't suicidal. I didn't want to kill myself. But I also know I didn't... I didn't see how I was going to get out of what I was in. Hmm. And I don't want to dramatize it. like, um, But it just felt... It felt like... It almost felt like nothing. Like complete emptiness. Like nothing mattered. Hmm. My children didn't matter. You didn't matter. My family didn't matter. My job didn't matter. And it was like... I was like, oh, this isn't good. This like nothing means anything to me. It's like, am I a sociopath? Hmm. And then I'm trying to remember what happened. We, I went on medication. No, I took a test. I remember I took a test for depression. I scored severely depressed because I was so upset. But then I redid the test and I was like moderately depressed. (laughs) Oh, an improvement. Yeah, it's an improvement. (laughs) And then I think... You had encouraged me to go to, we went to a couples therapist, Mm -hmm. but then it was really more for me Mm -hmm. in the end. And then I started going to her and uncovered, unpacked a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And then... Any of which you care to explore here on the podcast? Well, we just went through issues with, you know, growing up with, 
you know, your parents and things you go through then and things you go through with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, It's weird to think about our relationship actually at that point versus now, but it's so different. Um, And I don't actually remember the medication really working. I think it was until January, February of 2016. It was right around the time I started doing photography. Hmm. And that's kind of started when I feeling I felt really good and then um it was June of that year I just I stopped taking it because I was like oh I feel better and then I had a terrible summer I had a re- I had kind of had a relapse hmm. we were at that cottage with the family and I couldn't like nothing brought me any joy hmm. and I was just anxious the whole time about just all these fears and worries and concerns I had about all these things about people I felt I'd wronged or people who I felt would come to try and, you know, take something from me or take you guys away from me, which is all paranoia, which was from, you yeah. know, side effect of depression mm-hmm. or anxiety. And so I went back on the medication and then um, it was been, it's been pretty good. I think the more I get involved with... Um, more things that I'm interested in and things that occupy me. It also kind of helps keep stuff at bay on -hmm. top of the medication doing its job. Right. So the medication doesn't just do all the work. There's other stuff, like there's other work that you have to put into, right? I started exercising more. I'd been biking at that point. Um, I did quit playing soccer with a team, which was a hard choice for me, but... um, Where was I? Sorry. Oh, um, so the medication by itself is yeah. a huge help, but there's more work yeah. that you have it to works. put into it. It works really well. Um, but then you have to put more work into it yeah. aside from that, right? To keep yeah. you really at where you want to be. Yeah, and, and you know that better than anyone. And you you know I have to, getting outside or going to do, you know, photo adventures or, or things with friends mm-hmm. is just a way to help me just kind of rebalance, reset. So... And then, yeah, my first, I feel like my first real test of how strong the medica- uh, how good the medication worked on was when our friend Mark died. Well, that was, uh, that was something that I think if I hadn't been on some kind of medication, that would have been a lot harder right. than it actually was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I started to actually kind of notice that around that time that the medication almost got to the point where I was like numb to a lot of things like it almost had the other effect where it's like ironically where I almost felt nothing but on the other side it was like so it wasn't devastating nothing it was just nothing yeah it was just it's like I felt some sympathy not the thing with Mark was like I felt a lot of emotion after that but like soon pretty much stuff stopped started to not bother me anymore um like nothing really got under my skin. So I thought that was an interesting part of the journey too, where it felt like numb. Do you think that the feeling numb was also part of, could be part of grieving? It could have been grieving. Yeah, definitely. And I lost my grandmother shortly after Mark died too. So that, I guess there's a lot of months that I went through that I was probably grieving and I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I've learned a lot about grief from you watching you go through it but I haven't really dealt with death too much in my life Mm -hmm. and I just did in you know 
the last year and a half. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm the type of person who doesn't really stop enough to let himself uh, think or process things. I just kind of deal with it at the time, and then I move on, and then it'll come back and hit me. Okay. Months later, um, like I was at a show with our friends Greg and Rachel in December, and I someone brought up somehow Mark's name had come up, and I started crying mm-hmm. with Rachel and Greg. I was mm-hmm. like, "What is going on?" Um, whereas, like, it's, it's amazing to me that night was like how emotion can just like, get so buried sometimes, and then it can just kind of easily dug up, yeah, randomly. But yeah, I feel like I'm going on a tangent here. No, but um, no, it, it, yeah, it is amazing how emotion, like, if left unchecked, like, if mm-hmm. you just don't pay attention to it, then all of a sudden it yeah. comes and smacks you in the face. Yeah, but it's like I don't want to talk about, you know, that like death every day. I don't want to, like, you know, some people. I don't know if even bearing it's the right way to put it. Maybe some people do that, but other people just like block it. Mm-hmm. And maybe blocking can be good sometimes because, you know, maybe for every, maybe not for every person, but maybe for some people, they just can't dwell on that death every day in some way. So they just need to physically or mentally, block sorry, it. block it until a, an appropriate time comes or maybe a time when they weren't expecting it and it just hits them. So you think that that's okay? Like that can be a process of a person? I think it can be a different process for different people. Mm -hmm. I've seen you grieve, you know, you you miss your grandmother every day. But I I think about my grandmother and um, I miss her, but I don't think about her every day as much as I did at the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. I think about her from time to time and think about, you know, if she saw me and if she was, and if she had not had dementia or Alzheimer's. That she, that she would have been proud of me, mm-hmm. or we would have got to talk as I got older. Um, but I don't know. I think people grieve in their own ways, in the ways that makes sense to them. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's any right or wrong way to grieve, because grieving is a very strange human emotion that affects everyone. I've seen it affect so many different people way very many different ways mm-hmm. so i think and like there's so many different factors that go into grieving as well like because it's like you're like you're missing that presence of the person in your life yeah it's funny you miss their physical presence and their and their but you also like they they live in your head they, they, they live, almost get it's almost like they get stronger that is a very head. very good point i still think about like I'll just naturally think of my grandma sitting yeah. in her place at the mm-hmm. table where do she you, always sat. And would you? Did you? Do you find that you think of her more when she now that she's passed on versus when she was alive? When you and I were early married days, did you think about her? Because I remember you talked about her a lot, but you didn't. She didn't come in, up in conversation as much as she did now. That's as, true. Since she's the, died. Yeah, I feel a need to talk about her more now because right. it's like that's my way of still keeping her alive I think Mm. you know because like she was a huge part of my life she was my second mother and yep and I talked to her like every week yeah but she like was a huge part of helping me through my depression when I was depressed yeah and then when she died it was like that 
person that I was kind of using as a crutch mm-hmm. was gone. And then I just kind of, that's when I crashed and burned. Yeah. Or maybe she wasn't a crutch as more, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like a footstool, like you were standing on top of a, a strong support and then it was like kicked out from underneath you and you fell. Yeah. You know? Cause like crutch, you know, she's, she was more than a crutch. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've been thinking about, like, speaking of that, and, like, and all these, I'm having, like, these epiphanies lately on on ways, things I say that just, like, let me just, let me think about that again. Kind of, like, say it in a different way. Like, how many, like, what was the one you and I were talking about a couple months ago? I'm changing the course from grieving our grandmothers being dead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To, uh, oh, yeah, we were in the, I said we were in the kitchen and we were in the house and I said, let's go, I said to the kids, let's go help mom clean up the house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I caught myself and I was like, wait a second. That's making the assumption that Ruth's job is to only clean. So we're doing her a favor by saying, let's go help mom clean the house. When really it should be, let's all clean or we'll clean. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like how many people say these things about their spouse? Usually it's like male toward a female, but you yeah. can go the other way too. Yep. And trying to like, it's funny that didn't even come out of a, a out of a place that was um, negative, or mm. um, or even sexist, or maybe it did, like subtle sexism that gets ingrained in your brain since you were younger. It's always mom's job to clean up, so you just go help mom clean up. When it should be like, well, the man should actually, or. It's a partnership. You should mm-hmm. do things together. Mm. And yes, of course, men and women have different roles in all parts of life. And that, But I actually think they can be intercha- all of them can be interchanged with the exception of childbirth. <laughs> Seems yeah, to be the only big one. You probably wouldn't want to take that one on no. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, the- yeah. I always try to like think, I hear all these amazing guests on your show. And these wise things that they all say. And I'm just like, I just don't know if I could say something as, I don't know, profound as them. I always think about, man, I wish I had some, like, kind of air quote, (laughs) you know, or something that people would be like, oh, yeah, Sean gets it. I'm going to just remember that as I drink my coffee right now or (laughs) as I'm going to bed. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I'll... I'd... Yeah. There are a couple of things that you said earlier. I can't remember what they are anymore, but there was like, there was something, there's at least one thing that you said oh, that I was good. like, ooh, yeah, that's a good point. I can't remember what it was, but we'll listen to it and I'll put I'm it I'm sure it was fantastic. It was very good. You yeah. should be very proud of yourself. Uh, I am proud of myself. <laughs> very proud. Good. Um, but yeah, I I think there's back to that earlier kind of like relearning how we say things to each other yeah it happens in a lot of things in, in life you just if you just pay attention to what people are actually saying mm. so much of it is wrong <laughs> or or Could uneducated of, yeah readjustment yeah required. yeah it's almost like we should start a club for readjusted sayings <laughs> <laughs> readjust the yeah. sayings yeah like you wouldn't call a car a her oh she yeah that's a good one or although i don't i 
I don't know. Is that sexist? Is calling a car a girl, like referring to a car as a girl? I don't know. Why don't we ask your listeners to, to send some email about that? Yeah. Let me... Is calling a car a girl sexist? Is that? And like a boat, you always refer to her. Yes. Like, when, usually when it comes to things that you ride. <laughs> <laughs> like, think yeah. about it. She. Yeah. You know, Taking her for a sail there on the open seas. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. I'm going to add that to the list of sayings. I, yeah, I kind of wonder if mm. that's like, that is actually kind of born out of a sexist thing or if it's like just a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to be overly sensitive either. Like, honestly, if someone were to be talking to me and they referred to a car as a she, I wouldn't be like, oh, mm. how dare you? Right. But I also want to be sensitive to how that could potentially yeah, bother th- somebody else. These conversations seem to be happening more and more, and it seems like, I don't know, from all the reading I do or just paying attention to what's happening in the internet world, mm-hmm. it seems like there's like subtle, um, there's more subtle sexism and racism to, that exists, along with the, obviously there's very outward examples of that today in culture but I think yeah. a lot there's a lot of that exists in a lot in a lot of people's behaviors and they probably aren't even aware of it yeah anymore and it feels harmless and it feels harmless when in fact it's like it can you know it should be dealt with in some way but in what way I don't know yeah yeah because it's like when you go around and you're just like easily offended by everything and you kind of like kick up a me- like kick up a stink every yeah. time someone like misspeaks. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be very effective there either. No. I think it's like you should call out wrong when you see it. Um and I think it's just how you do it. Yeah, it's like and you need c- to do it with love. Like you need to think like not that you're it's like oh, I'm going to show this idiot what's up. Yeah. It's more like that's why Twitter and Facebook are not the places to have those conversations. I feel hey. like they happen there, but I feel like I don't think I've ever seen one good outcome of a argument online, ever. Oh, <laughs> I know. Eh? So, how often do you get to the end of a large, yeah. a long string of comebacks to like, yeah. oh, you know what? Yeah. I respectfully disagree, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> I see, I understand your point. Yeah, they just get so per- they sharing. get personal, right? When people feel like they can't defend themselves um, in an argument, they resort to personal attacks or racist or sexist or bigoted or whatever xenophobic yeah yeah i think that ties back to just like insecurities that we all have yeah it's like has like now i'm afraid that yeah, you might if think you I'm hurt stupid, me i'm gonna so hurt I'm gonna you say something yeah mean. yeah yeah and you know i wonder like and i've been thinking about that with myself actually as well like how many things do i say that are i'm just ignorant i don't realize that this thing that i'm saying is actually hmm. could be very hurtful to someone. Right. And like again, like I just like I al- I always get kind of stuck on like well where's the balance, right? Cuz like I I don't want to feel like a like I don't want to make people feel like they're walking on eggshells all the time, like I'm overly sensitive. But I think that's where grace comes in. It's like you need to be gracious to each other, but also you need to be mindful of each other. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. I do. It's, um, I think if more people could exhibit grace to other humans, um, 
the world would just be a better off place because everyone has their issues. Everyone is trying to get through the day. Yeah. And every, you know. Um, it's like we're all just doing our best. Yeah. And so uh, it's so easy to just nitpick on certain people if the, you've caught them in like a three-minute part of their day where they were a dick, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just so easy to be like, oh, you're a terrible person. You had this thought for one second and now you said it. And that's kind of actually, that's kind of scary too. Like in this internet age, it's like these people's actions or tweets or or Facebook comments or anything or anything you put online can now come back to get you. Even if it like, you know, maybe rightfully so in some cases. Maybe in some cases, but it is, yeah. Like In other cases where it's like it's enough for the online mobs now to come at you and take you down. Yeah, it's like creating a judgmental culture. Yeah, judgmental culture. Because when you have the masses who have no restriction on what they can say in a form where anything seems to go, you can just, uh, it can be used for good. I've seen it used for good in many cases. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see that in in crowdsourcing for funding, for... Amazing mm. things around the world, right? Um, or you know, taking down people in the Me Too movement, where mm-hmm. guys have done terrible, men and women have done terrible things mm-hmm. to other people, and they've been taken down. Where well, that power didn't exist before the, the internet, That's really. True. Yeah. Except when you had pitchforks and you burned witches at the stake, but. Um, but I don't think they used the internet. No. Wait, do you have Wi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> How do you start a fire? Google it. But it is on the flip side of that. That converse, That is a scary world we're in where it's like well what if you did something but or what if you did what if you didn't do anything sorry and someone accuses you of something and then the the masses leap onto that and then they drag you through the mud and all of a sudden your career is over or your livelihood's over even if even if you didn't do anything right an accusation now is almost um as strong as a conviction in a court of process like it's scary you don't need to go to court you can just be crucified in the court of public opinion and to me that is frightening like there's a couple episodes there's shows that actually de- deal with that there's one in the orville that we watch where people are upvoted or there's the upvoted and downvoted thing or, or mm-hmm. an episode of black mirror where you're so you had social rankings you know, associated to your personality, which is scary too. And it's kind of like, that's kind of already happening today. Just a little quieter. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. <laughs> mm, we went on a tangent. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. But it, just to round out my thought, my last thought there was that it's just like, I wish more people could just talk to each other in person to resolve issues mm. without just having to take it online and expose it to the, to everyone. Everyone to judge without the Without context. the context, yeah. And that's my thoughts on that. But even that, I feel like, is... It's like... I don't know. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. The judging without context, like, that's mm-hmm. important. Like, you need to have... Yeah. You need but to have context. People still don't seem to care about context anymore. It's scary. Yeah, you're right. It is. When you look at that kind of thing, it can be pretty scary. I think that's why, like, it's important to just emphasize the importance of grace. Mm -hmm. Like, grace is such a powerful tool. Yep. Or a powerful 
way of living. Like, because not only does it make it so it's easier for other people to, like, we all make mistakes, right? So it makes it easier for a person to make a mistake and improve. But it, so not only is it better for other people, but it's better for yourself because then you're like, instead of like holding all of these things in this big ball of fury that hurts you, like these things, like having, being angry all the time, like that has physical effects and it's not healthy. It, you know, if you're putting grace out there and being gracious towards Mm. other people, then it's going to help yourself as well because you're not going to be so, so tense and angry all the time. Yeah, it's, I would like to see a world like that. I just feel, maybe I'm too pessimistic on that part. I feel like I'm optimistic about most things, but some things I just feel like, it's just, I don't see how humans can change that. Like, it has, it has to be a big, gradu- it'd be gradual all yeah. the time. But I think, like, that's the other thing. Like, we're not responsible for other people and their no. behavior. We're responsible for ourselves, and that can create change. Yeah, I feel like you're right. I think one of my problems is I feel like I am responsible for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Something I kind of struggle with. I have a lot of friends and a lot of people I've invested my time in with. And so I feel a set of a certain sense of responsibility to ensure the well-being of those people. But I've been learning I can't be everything to everyone all the time. Right. And so I uh, am nervous when I can't devote all that time to someone or, or devote um, as much as they would like from me. And I think I've, like, stretched myself out so far. How do you know what a person wants from you? You say as much as they'd oh, like from you. Is it? I think it's my, it's my, it's my th- feelings that I put on them, hmm. which I'm learning. Okay. I have these thoughts that I build in my head of how people expect me to behave or give or hang out or whatever, whatever they need from me. Mm-hmm. And I put that on them. So that's not healthy. I mean, you do have like a reputation of being that kind of guy. Like I want to help. I genuinely do want to help people. Yeah. And... um. But maybe sometimes that backfires and that it doesn't allow me to, if I help too many people, then I can't really help anyone. If I'm, right. I can't devote, yep. you know, a specific time to certain projects or certain friendships, um, you know, on top of my children and you. And then even my own personal growth, hmm. Right. You know, I, I like to measure my own personal growth as, as how much I'm helping other people. But I've, I always find I'm burning out more. I tell people I'm burning out more. Because mm. I feel like the way it's like, it's almost like I've gotten to this routine. is like, if I'm not helping other people do things, do what they want to do, then I'm not doing anything with my life. Hmm. I've never said that out loud before. And it's like, I'm no martyr. I'm no Gandhi. <laughs> But I do feel like that if I were to just stop and if I didn't help anyone, if I stopped giving advice or messaging people or hosting photo meets or doing the social network, I feel like people would forget about me. I don't feel like, I feel like I have to do all these things 
to stay relevant and important to people without them. And that's, and I'm worried about, I'm worried that sometimes that my friendships are only based on those things. Like, would people just hang out with me without any of that? Would they hang out with me just for me? And I have, you know, friends, some friends who I can count that I would, on my hands, that I would say, yes, they would. They -hmm. don't need any of that stuff. And then I've, you know, that's one of my fears is if I stop, then everything, then the train I've been taking with me falls off the tracks and I lose everything. All the cargo, all the passengers. So I don't feel like I want, I can stop what I'm doing. I just hmm. keep going and going. And you're getting tired. I'm getting very tired. I feel like I'm just... Every little ounce of energy I have after the end of my day, after focusing on the most immediate things to me, important people to me in, in our lives, it's like, it's like, okay, where else can I devote that energy? And then, like, I don't remember the last time that I did something for myself. Like, the last time I did something for myself that was just me was when I flew to Alberta. There was no alternative. I wasn't working for anyone. I wasn't doing anything. I was just enjoying my life, taking pictures. That was it. There was no goal. There was no no one to please except myself. And I think it's important that everyone has that in their lives. Mm-hmm. You, myself, our own kids. And it's it's important too that that doesn't become your life if you're like I don't know if you're a parent <laughs> you don't want to just be always ditching your family to go find yourself in Kathmandu or something. But um, in what Kathmandu? Uh, just a, I think it's in Nepal. I just making it. I was just thought it was a funny name of a town. You go to find <laughs> yourself like a Tibetan <laughs> thing. It doesn't really make sense, but Kathmandu. <laughs> Katmandu? Yeah, you never heard of Katmandu? No. Oh, it's a great town. <laughs> you should look it up. Yeah. That's how we uh that's how that's how quiet somber moments end in the McMullen household for all you listeners out there. <laughs> With usually a weird saying or a joke and then we just laugh. Uh-huh. Like I'm laughing now. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. I already said it. You already said it. I, I know. You're, yeah. I thank you for doing the podcast with me. Yeah. It's been my dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's been my dream to come on this show. Is it has it now? Yeah. 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 I always want to see what happens in this closet. It's ma- <laughs> it actually feels magical. Doesn't it? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden you're not It's very intimate. It's very closed off. It's nice just talking to you, looking at you, sharing like, to be honest, I didn't want to do anything today. I didn't yeah. even want to do this. Yeah. And now I'm doing it, and I'm glad I did. You ha- you have a way of pulling stuff out of people. It's good. Oh, thank you. You don't even... I don't even know if you realize it half the time. But, yeah, you're good at it. Thank you. Yeah. So, I don't know. I hope what I said is good. 
for your show. I hope some people found value in it. I don't know. I I know that they will. I hope so. Well, there's one question that I ask everybody, um, and that is, what does it look to you to to be mentally healthy? Um, safe. Safe. Yeah. Safe, I think. To be mentally healthy, I think, is to feel safety in your life. I feel like it's a word that I'm thinking about more lately. Like, if I'm safe, that means you're safe, that you're good, that my kids are good, that um, my life is good, job is good, friends are good. So if I'm mentally healthy, I feel like I'm in a safe place. So if if your friends weren't good, would you not be mentally healthy? Maybe to some degree. I, I do care about my friends and where they're at in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to a point that I can, you know, can't take on everyone's, you know, stress or or anxieties but I feel yeah I hope that makes sense that's just the way that's the word that comes to mind yeah and feeling mentally healthy is safety because I felt so unsafe before that in my anxieties in my paranoia I felt unsafe I felt like things were going to be taken from me Hmm. and to be so but to be mentally healthy makes me feel safe makes me feel like I don't have to run from anything or um, or dwell on my past or be nervous about my future. I can just be safe in where I am at the moment. Hmm. So... Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another Wright Brothers joke, but I feel like I've topped myself. <laughs> like you've topped yourself? Yeah. You've already, you you hit the... Yeah, like my, my best joke was at the beginning. Like I've got <laughs> nothing. You peaked out? Yeah, I peaked a bit. You peaked early? Yeah. Peaked out? peaked out does that i was trying to make some kind of flight joke with that i don't know if that really worked hmm. we're Do gonna you, have to propel to the end the end of what the podcast oh propel wait we're on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i thought we were just talking in our closet <laughs> this is being recorded <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> How do you sign these things off? Well, <laughs> usually I don't have an official. Okay, see, I'm working on that. This is something that I. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Maybe something like that. Oh, like a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, this has to end. <laughs> No, okay, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on my sign-off. It's not strong. Okay. 
but it's usually something like, I thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then I say, you know, thanks everybody for listening. Have a great evening, night, morning, afternoon, mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Yep. I always mess it up, and I always mention how I mess it up mm-hmm. at everyone. Yep. And then I say, bye.